Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast of thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. I feel like I should be, like, in a convertible on a coast. Two <laughs> things I've, like, never done, but, yeah, I, I, you know what? I just want to be in a convertible now after that song for some reason. That's good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we, also, <laughs> we also have... Bill Graham. Yeah. Are you sick, Bill? No. Do I sound sick? I don't know. That was a pretty lackluster woo. But don't do it again because we have a guest to introduce. (laughs) Just told you not to do it again. Uh, Our guest, Allison Shoemaker. Uh, Woo! That's what I'm talking about. man. Thank you. No diseases of the lungs infecting Allison. She has got the pipes (laughs) to give us the woo that we deserve. (laughs) I'm very happy to be back. Thanks for having me, guys. I am happy to hear that you are happy to be back. (laughs) It'd be very awkward (laughs) otherwise. (laughs) I'm here against my will. Someone please send help. Under protest, Allison Shoemaker. (laughs) Um, would you like to introduce yourself to our listening audience at home? Yeah, um, I'm Allison. I'm a film and TV critic, uh, also based in Chicago, um, like Michael. And, surprise, uh, surprise. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> um, and I uh, watched this movie. I don't know. you. Oh, hey, I have a book. You can buy my book, How TV Can Make You Smarter, from Chronicle Books, now in some bookstores, the ones that are still open and not being swallowed alive. Uh, yeah, um, I was going to make a joke about Strand, but like I didn't read any of the articles that I saw about it, so I actually don't know what the situation is. Well, it's, about uh, it's, a, it's all about Amazon and rich people just doing their rich people things. Speaking of Amazon and rich people, we're going to be talking about a movie brought to you by Amazon and rich people. Today's review, Borat Subsequent Movie Film, which is uh, on Amazon Prime now. And stars uh, a bunch of rich people uh, mocking people who are not. Um, before we get into oh, that, the right. usual stuff. Right. <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Email us, podcastthefilmstage.com. And of course, you can go to patreon.com slash show to become a patron of this here podcast. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel. As well as a bunch of other cool stuff, like uh, Blu-rays and giveaways and stuff like that. So, patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. Uh, we are also brought to you by Mubi, the curated streaming service uh, which showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a new film. It's either a timeless classic, possibly a cult favorite, or maybe an acclaimed masterpiece. Either way, it's guaranteed to be a movie that you're either dying to see, one you've never heard of before, but will soon love... Some great stuff coming to the platform. Let's talk about some of it. Uh, first, there's a double bill, one of the many great series that movies movie does. Uh, ben Rivers, as time goes by, 
whether capturing sloth time or exploring the past through geological absence, this Ben Rivers double bill takes its sweet slow time to reflect on memory, filmmaking, perspective, and extinction in our ever-shifting present. First up in that series is Ghost Strata. Uh, what if film's most precious function were to capture the passing of time, those meaningful but unnoticed fragments of existence and geological, geological layers of history? Filmed in sumptuous 16mm and structured in 12 chapters, Ben Rivers' globetrotting film diary reflects on what now might be. A bunch of other great stuff is coming out, but the other one I wanted to highlight is Melina. Uh, Mubi is thrilled to unveil the restoration of this criminally overlooked adaptation of Ingborg Bachmann's novel, a startling depiction of female consciousness with a draw-dropping Isabelle Huppert, uh, Werner Schrodinger's hallucinatory love triangle overflows with subconscious frenzy and fervid passions. So, two very different movies coming to the platform. You can get a free 30-day trial of Mubi by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. Are, are there any non-Americans that we haven't offended with our bad pronunciations of literally every film that's not American? You know, I was going to say the Canadians are probably still on our side, but I still don't know how to say Denis Villeneuve. So <laughs> pro- not that. probably not. Denny V. Yeah, Denny V. My man, Denny V. Denny the Fifth. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, Christ. Yeah, no. Uh, apologies. I suck. And I'm never going to change. Um, t- so that's it for all of our front matter. Um, yeah. Unless that's Brian's anyone... book. What was that? <laughs> that's your book that you're you're in the middle of, right? Absolutely. I, I, I suck and I'm never going to change. <laughs> The, uh, it, so, like, I guess depending how my life goes, my, my autobiography is either going to be titled Good in a Crisis or I'm Suck and I'm Never Going to Change. <laughs> anyway, um, can't, can't conceive of what the pivot point in my life will be that delineates the difference between those two, but I uh, can't wait to see it. Anyway, we're here to talk about... Borat, subsequent movie film, uh, newest film directed by Jason Wollner, starring Sasha Baron Cohen and uh, other people. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just hit that trailer and get into it. Fourteen years ago, I released a movie film which brought great shame to Kazakhstan. But now I was instructed to return to Yankee land to carry out secret missions. I go to America! Alright, that is the opening of the trailer for Borat's subsequent movie film. Out on the Amazon Prime platform now. Uh, this is a sequel to the previous Borat film, which were I better at this job, I would have looked up the year it was released in. Uh, Michael Snydell? 2006. Okay. Yep. I am... Um, I can never remember if it's 2006 or 2005 because I remember it being big during my freshman year of college <laughs> and that crossed both those years. So anyway, um, it's out now. You can check it out. Uh, we begin as always with our spoiler free thoughts and we begin with our guest. Allison, what did you think of Borat subsequent movie film? 
you know, my expectations were not high. Um, and I'm still, to be honest, not quite sure what I think of a lot of this. I, I watched it um, on a screener earlier in the week. So I've had some time to ruminate with it. I've I watched it again just to sort of see what rose to the surface on the second viewing. Um, and there's a lot that I feel conflicted about, but I'm very interested in a lot of that conflict. Um, and it helped me to sort of lean into some of the ambiguities that we've stumbled into at this current moment in time, um, where all of a sudden we're seeing a lot of theater on film, but what is theater on film when there isn't any more theater and how does our response to it change? And what, where do we draw the line between film and television? What is all of that ambiguity is getting really messy and weird, um, given everything going on in the world. And I feel like, trying to place this movie within all of that chaos helped me to wrap my mind around it a little bit, which is to think of it less as here's a comedy from Sasha Baron Cohen and more of here's a weird piece of political performance art um, that I have a very complicated reaction to in that it's provoking a strong emotional reaction. It's causing me to think it's making me angry. It's confusing me. And that is what a lot of that sort of confrontational button pushing art is supposed to do. So um, my one solid takeaway <laughs> that is I have no ambiguous feelings about is that um, Maria Bakalova, who plays Tutar, um, a character you meet in the film. I'm not sure how spoilery want we want to be, uh, but she's in the movie with Sasha Baron Cohen and plays a pretty prominent role. And I think she is great and it doesn't work at all without her and would be basically insufferable if she weren't in it. Um, and it was an incredibly assured, daring, unsettling performance uh, that I really admired. All right. Bill Graham. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree about uh, Borat's daughter. Um, she I love that. Is... I love that Allison went all over the map trying to avoid any kind of <laughs> concept of who Tudor might be. And Bill Graham. Oh, sorry. Miley Cyrus style, swingsing like a wrecking ball, <laughs> and just shouts, "It's his daughter!" <laughs> well, I think I think that's in the, what the first. Right. 15 minutes so i you know <laughs> i agree with that yeah bill you have also shouted at me about things that could be spoilers that definitely happen in the first five minutes of a movie i so. know i know i know uh okay anyways my the invisible my... man the invisible man no way <laughs> <laughs> is the nature um, of his invisibility a spoiler i still don't think we have an answer for that yeah 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 uh is it real is it is it created who knows who knows um anyways uh yeah, don't spoil that now. Uh, anyways, uh, let's move on to Borat Two. Um, Borat Two is yeah, I I think it has a really really rough start to be honest. Um, and it's not until we get about thirty forty minutes into it that it, it kind of takes shape and it kind of actually becomes a little bit fun before it becomes a little bit more dumb than it needs to be. And then it just kind of rounds things out. Um, that being said, I, I, I won't say that I was under the spells or under the spell of this film at any point, to be honest. Uh, I think it is mostly, I don't, I don't know what to think of, of this style of comedy anymore where it's like 
we're pretending that we're interacting with common people and like they don't have a clue who Borat is or Sasha Baron Cohen is. And, you know, are we supposed to think that these people are just, you know, I get, you know, and, and like me even saying this out loud sounds like I'm a real asshole, but like, are they ignorant enough to not realize that this is a big joke or are they playing along? Are they paid actors that are actually fairly good at, at what they're doing? Um, I don't know. Uh, and, you know, we've seen some documentaries that kind of, uh, well, they don't skirt it. They just, you know, run right through uh, that kind of uh, ideas uh, this Maybe year. Maybe this so, year, even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This year. Sure, sure. And so it's <laughs> it's definitely one of those weird things where I, I'm just, I, I guess in this internet age, I don't know what to be comfortable with in terms of what style of comedy this is purporting to be. And I guess... Maybe the uh, Borat kind of uh, idea has kind of run its course. I mean, look, to even think of making a second one of these is kind of moronic, right? But even still, like, it still holds together. Like, it still held my interest for, I'd say, more than half of its runtime. I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know what it was going to do. And so maybe that level of hijinks is kind of where this film kind of lives and dies is, you know, how much you can kind of just sit back and say, I don't know what the hell this movie's going to do. And we'll, we'll find out. Right. And so I think that's where this film kind of ends up for me is I didn't necessarily enjoy it. Uh, but I I think it is a interesting piece of of I guess art if you want to call it that. So yeah, that's what I think. All right, Michael Snydell. Yeah, this is this is interesting to me. I'm not sure I like it that much. I, I think there are some parts we can get into later. I, I will echo Allison though. I think uh, I, sorry, my, Maria. I, sorry, I want to say her name right. Bakalova is is really good in that, and I, I good in this, and I think she steals the show uh, quite a bit. Um, but I I think that also goes into the strange way this exists. So I I rewatched the original right before this, and I probably haven't seen it since uh, 2006. Oddly enough, um, my uh, departed dad was he loved this movie <laughs> like he I, I have not seen him die with laughter uh oh yikes I did not mean to use that phrasing uh I did not I have not seen him react <laughs> wow wow I, I made a, a dead dad joke it's uh it's been a bit um sorry uh I mean, anyway yeah so like Borat was was fascinating because it, it really did come out of nowhere you know allergy and, and things like that existed but they were still niche enough that he could mostly get away with it with people who were relatively big even though you know tolerance of his shtick uh varied um yeah I mean uh, the original, it's it's more fascinating in relation to how different the things that um, are pointed out 
uh, are. I, I mean, my um, my girlfriend. Uh, this was actually her first time watching it, and she thought it was. She thought both of them were uh, were were okay with some decently funny parts, and um, she made an interesting point to me uh, that. Um, I, I'm sorry, I had it right here, but you know, for all the things that they tolerate Borat saying, um, you know, whether he said sexist, whether he said homophobic things, the one thing that they never repeated um, was was in fact, um, I, I guess I'm going to say this in quotation marks, but the the word they used to use for mentally uh, challenged people or. Um, uh, retard. And I, I mentioned that because I, I think it's really interesting to use that word as a way to think about this film and how things have changed. Like uh, this sequel is it's it's odd to me because it does have some of the of the trolling of the first one, but it also, especially in the second half, kind of snowballs into this weird middle ground between like, SNL movie slash, um, you know, like improv object. Like it, it's very weird. Also, the other thing that should be mentioned is like there's an entirely entire school of comedy that came out of Borat. Like everything from Nathan for you to Eric Andre to, you know, Joe Para. Like all of these people being incredibly committed to a bit and never dropping it. So it's it's really weird to see him come back and it's like it's a little bit stale but it also feels like a, a passing of a torch and there's something kind of nostalgic and like a few of the people who would normally be made fun of um in particular um in particular the the babysitter uh played by um or not played by uh Janice I believe is her name. I'm sorry, I had it right mm-hmm. here. Uh, but yeah, there's just a few characters here who, you know, even when they're the butt of the joke, there's something oddly tender to it. There's some weird resistance stuff in the last like 10 minutes of the movie. Like this thing is is really strange and it feels kind of rushed to me. And I think I'm more interested in it as an object than an actual movie. But I still can't help but think like, you know, uh, I, I just have a weird reaction to this. I don't think it's only cruelty. I don't think it's only cynicism. I, I'm i not sure if it also has that much to say, because uh, as many people have said, everything is so dumb that nothing is really a surprise here. Um, but yeah, this weird hybrid is, is fascinating, if not uh, wholly successful to me, I guess. The first things I'll say there. Um, yeah, for me, <clears throat> I um, I almost walked out on this movie as much as you can when you're watching something that's in your living room. Um, at about the 30 minute mark, I just like paused it and I was not going to be on this podcast because I just was like, I have nothing to say. This is nonsense. I hate this. Uh, it is cruelty and cynicism just distilled and poured on a bunch of people who don't realize it for the laughs of people who don't know any better or don't care. And 
Yeah, I don't. I, I, but at some point, I was like, I guess I'm just going to finish watching it because I've already sacrificed a half hour of my life to this thing, and uh, why not? So I did. And what shocked me most actually is that after the point when I was ready to to give up, it really just became boring. Um, which I was a little shocked by. It's uh, it's like it loses its teeth, and suddenly, instead of being outright cruel to its marks it starts trying to use them to leverage some kind of like sympathy or like moral clarity for its characters which weirdly just made me depressed instead of angry because suddenly people were like having an actual emotional reaction and trying to like act with empathy and this movie's response to that was how funny it was and uh yeah, so I hated this. Um this was terrible. And uh I went and read reviews of it and I was shocked by the amount of people who uh, really seemed to like it. So I don't know. That was very weird for me. Um but luckily it's so it's so pat and so lazy in some of its joke construction that it has been slowly leaking out of my head all day. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure by Tuesday, I won't remember anything from this movie. And so at least it's, you know, at least it's better than the time that I like got pulled over for drunk driving, you know, because at least I will not remember this. Like that's the only way it's better than that. Possibly the worst moment in my life. What, why did you come on this podcast then? <laughs> Cause I'm the no, host. seriously. I just no, because it, like I, you know I could have hosted. You know I could have hosted. <laughs> you came to me a couple hours ago and insisted that we would have a uh, we would have a conversation. About We're going to have a conversation. You should know that I'm coming from an, an aspect of like that this movie is is really bad. And I I hear a lot of people who are talking about it as though it has some deeper meaning and i'm interested in being a part of that conversation and i'm not going to try to shut it down but i am also not going to pretend that i feel the same way so like i, I like there like there was someone on twitter who was talking about how like sasha Baron cohen basically made like a love letter to his daughter at, through this movie and i'm just like shocked and appalled by that concept and it just uh it just feels it feels like a really bleak, really mean spirited, really elitist, condescending piece of, of art, you know, because it is art. He's an artist. Like clearly people came into this movie with an idea of wanting to say something. And um I think that it was probably not a failure, because they all seem very pleased with themselves, but I think that it was like misguided. See, but I think where that loses me, though, is I, I think only viewing this as cruelty is not actually giving it its due. You can think the movie's lazy, but I think only viewing it that way is immediately going into this with with bad faith. But I, I, I coming think- out of it viewing it that way, like that's the problem with your attempt to rebut all of no, my I, like thoughts and ideas regarding this movie is that at upon seeing the movie, I went from what I initially thought, which is this is just going to be lazy cringe comedy to, Oh no, this is actually like an act of sociopathy. 
How is it an act of sociopathy? Well, let's get into it. Um, let's please. <laughs> what's what? I said let's please. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a. Uh, those are my basic thoughts. Um, let's uh, let's move forward. So I'm I'm curious. What? Allison, you've had the longest time to sit with this, and and you kind of said that it was like an interesting art object. I'm I am curious about this. Do do we feel like almost like what you were saying, Michael, that because the first movie was so influential, right? And like it it's done like everything. Like I mean, you could even track stuff like the evolution of the Daily Show and other like news comedy programs to this just in the way that like they they interview their subjects so do you think that that like pulls the teeth out of this and is like possibly like stealing some of its power because no one's coming into this movie from what we've said so far thinking it's like a smash success so like is it just that it's a victim of its own success and its own shadow um i i don't think so i think that the Borat that was made in 2006 mm-hmm. is very much of 2006, right? There, whether you're into his style of comedy or not, and I generally am not, um, the thing that made it, I think, p- part of what made it at least such a sensation at the time was that it was such a bizarre viewing experience because what was really on display was the people around him and what they were and were not comfortable with. But what people were and were not comfortable with in 2006 is dramatically different now. And Mm. it felt to me as though all of these interactions and some of them were incredibly frustrating um, or lazy or a little bit, um, maybe a little bit condescending, but some of them I think were, made very i'm thinking specifically in this instance although i think it applies to a lot of them of the scene well we're not in the spoiler section yet are we can i talk about the movie Uh, now yeah let's do yeah let's i mean i honestly i don't know what counts as a spoiler for this movie um yeah it's kind of hard so i'll just say like we're gonna open it up if you're worried about spoilers like and you're listening right now i guess turn it off and come back but yeah i I, mean a lot of it is going to be hard to avoid too because the other thing is that there are things that happen in this movie that are actual news um (laughs) that is right so like that's so for example i am on thursday i had to write this up or maybe wednesday whatever day the embargo was up i had to write this up for the av club as a news item because i was one of the people who'd seen it i was like listen i'm putting our spoiler warning here because i guess if you want to think of this as a spoiler you can it is however also news so we're reporting it as news so if you don't want to know what happens with rudy giuliani in this movie (laughs) stop reading um but it's actual news so it's october of 2020 there's an election in what 10 days we're definitely going to talk about this he's the president's lawyer so um so that already i think is complicated but I, i think that the people that he is in character interacting with um and we do not know how many of them, if any of them are actors. My gut tells me the um, the two people that he quarantines with are actors. Yeah. Um, I think the babysitter is an actor. There are things that happen that are just too storybook to be... Maybe even if they're untrained actors, they're in on the story, right? There's something, they're participating, they're following a plot. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it 
like the movie doesn't go anywhere. So those three in particular are the, are the ones where I, my gut tells me that they are a part of the, um, the cast and, and were forced, not forced, but we're asked to sign an NDA, like a lot of people involved in this movie, mm-hmm. but of the people where they're definitely showing up and doing a thing and seeing what will happen. The shift to me seems to be that, Unless you are truly comfortable with something really abhorrent, there is no way that you can be duped into participating. Like anyone Mm. with a modicum of shame or decency would not have said, yes, I will write Jews will not replace us on this cake or um, the guy with surgery or the cage. Right. Like those people are presented with something so abhorrent and so ridiculous that the only they choose to walk through it. They do not yeah. walk away and they sign disclaimers of some kind. You know, when you when we get into scenes like um, the cotillion ball, which I'm sure we're going to talk about some of those other things. I think that's more complicated. Obviously, those people were got in the room. It seems based on the limited reading I've done that it was under semi false pretenses. Um, and they were all quizzed to see if they could recognize Sasha Baron Cohen first. And that essentially they were just being shocked. That reminds me of the rodeo scene in the first film. Right. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the bakery, that woman she blinks and then she just keeps going. And whether it's because she wanted the publicity for her bakery, whether she really doesn't think that that's a problem to put that on a cake, whatever, whatever reason she agreed to do it, she agreed. And it's shocking and horrifying. And that's who we are now. People are very comfortable putting their worst selves on full display and have been for several years. And when you think of this as an art object, then part of its function is underlining that. And we already know that it's just being documented as being even more ridiculous. There's no way that someone hears like, oh, well, how many girls will live in this cage with me and doesn't say, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this. If they have any common sense or sense of decency, um, there's just no way. So I think that that is part of it. I think also part of what attracts me to it as an art object is that it seems to me, and again, I've only done a little reading about it, but it seems pretty clear to me that part of why the film shifts fairly abruptly is because they were making it when the pandemic began. So there's obviously a pivot because they were mid-production. Um, I am assuming that the the quarantining scenes again are fictional and that it was those three people who all agreed to film those scenes after the fact at the time, whatever. Um, but going to the rally and people not wearing masks and the incredibly horrifying song he sings that people have people who very obviously signed releases that they were willing to be on camera since their faces were not blurred are happy to sing along with. Mm -hmm. That's all sort of an artifact of this moment. And it's insane that we have like that, this incredibly upsetting moment in our history, in our political landscape, preserved on film and i think that sort of shunts it in a different direction like what is this movie i don't know it's you know a comedy but a lot of the comedy doesn't super work for me but it's also a document you know what i mean it's like it just is a lot of things at once Mm -hmm. um and i think will in the future be incredibly valuable as sort of a time capsule 
whether it's all that successful as a narrative or not. I think there's something too to be, a lot to be said about the fact that it's it's impossible to uh, separate the the context that this is 14 years after the last one. Mm-hmm. And like it's uh, that is something I, I mean, I guess that's exactly what you're saying. I was at, like that time capsule quality. But it's not only that this exists as a document of something we're seeing every day, but we're seeing it placed in this uh, exhibition that we would have 14, uh, sorry, 14 years ago. But it's it's also like, I, I think there's just, a, again, like there's a, in a little different form of comedy. And in that first one, when you go back to the scenes that people, uh, you know, talk about beyond the, the nude wrestling uh, <laughs> in a mortgage brokers conference, you know, like, you know, whether you have the the college jocks on the bus who are like very clearly extremely drunk advocating for slavery or, you know, um, you know, the the driving instructor who, who goes along with some things. And some of it's like light homophobia and some of it is also just like, again, like it's not even like a modicum of decency, but you could say, no, I'm, I'm not going to say this. I, and, but then you have like odd things. Like there's a really early, um, he goes to a feminist meeting in New York in, in the first one. And like, that's something where they're not having it very early on. And, um, but pushing back and that kind of comes back in this one. Um, and it's like, you know, it's, it's a very crass scene, but I also found it weirdly like, uh, tender when she goes to that Republican members meeting that it ends with a woman being like, call her an Uber. Like it's Mm -hmm. an odd, it's an odd detail, but I think there are a number of things in here that don't necessarily, you know, I, I can't go far enough to say it's changed or something, but it's those details that add a really strange texture to this thing um, I, in a way that also makes it as slippery as, as like what you're saying, um, Allison. Like, I, yeah, there, there's parts of this that are really, really on the nose and, and pat, but like it's also – I don't think it can be reduced simply to an act of uh, a cruelty in in context. I guess is maybe the best way to say that. I should add really quick, and I think you made a lot of really great points there, Michael. I did just, I was trying desperately to find out who this babysitter is and yes. uh, found a piece in um, Cosmopolitan that um, specifically mentions uh, that Sasha Baron Cohen has said, yes, he did move in with two QAnon conspiracy believing Trump supporters during the COVID-19 lockdown. Quote, the hardest thing I had to do was I lived in character for five days in this lockdown house. I was waking up, having breakfast, lunch, dinner, going to sleep as Borat when I lived in the house with these two conspiracy theorists. You can't have a moment out of character. So I don't even know what to make of that. Um, (laughs) Can you trust that? Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. He well, and 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 what's what's the line? Like, what what is the lie there? If he did or didn't do it, right? Like, like yeah. he's promoting his film, right? And he's gonna he's gonna say what he's gonna say. You sure. know, I I don't think that he has shown any modicum of like, uh, like not pushing that boundary. I mean, that that's what this entire film is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be off the cuff, 
original stuff, you know, not with actors. And it's like, yeah, you know, and, and so was the Blair Witch Project. But, you know, we all know what happened with that. And, right. you know, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, I don't know in this day and age where we kind of end up in the age of Reddit and in the age of, of just, you know, I can find your name and just find out anything about you. Um, mm. It's it's scary and it's also our reality and it's also really hard in that sense to make a comedy like this work where you don't just kind of sit there and cross your arms the whole time and go, well, they're all fucking actors. You know, it's it's just really, really tough. So I, I, I mean, I think another question, too, is it like it doesn't matter if it's a hoax or not at a certain point because at the, uh, because as we're saying, like so much of this resembles things we're actually seeing on a regular basis that like a a lot of this, you know, obviously there are things that are spectacles and stunts, but I I think again, what a lot of people are are pointing to, um, you know, like, is it's, it's no longer surprising when prejudice, you know, shows itself. At this point, that even if this is entirely scripted, there's 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 no satire, there's no parody. Like you see this every week with SNL, they have no idea what the fuck to do because anything they do isn't stupid enough for what happened literally the night before. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of exposes like the laziness of a lot of like modern day satirical thinking. Mm-hmm. Because if you're getting out juked by reality, then like I just don't know what to do sure. for you. <laughs> well, I do want to say, I guess at a certain point, it's 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 hard when you're getting out juked by a, a professional NFL player. You know, it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, we can only do we can only outdo reality because reality is always going to be weirder than fiction right and you can't talk about eating the poor because that's already been done and i feel like that's it like that's all we've got left is someone to just rewrite a modest proposal Mm -hmm. and it's just like you know but then how long how long until that becomes a real thing (laughs) i I guess the other thing too is i i'm curious what you guys think if this came out in 27 or 2016 i i don't think i would give a shit about it whatsoever as, as an object. Even. 2007 or 2016? No, no, no. 2017 or 2016. Oh, okay. You said I'm 27 four, and I was confused. Uh, sorry. I, I just mean like, you know, five years ago, like as you know, like, oh, Borat's back. Like, I mean, I mean we, we, no. can, we can say it. We can say it pre-Trump and then post-Trump, right? Well, no, because sure. 2016 and 2017 are post-Trump. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry to explain time to you, but I, that is uh, the truth. <laughs> no, you you guys know what I'm. Do you know what I'm at least getting? I'm I'm curious. Do you guys agree that it's only this time that makes this as possibly interesting as it could be? Well, I think there are two pieces to that, two elements to that question, and sure. one is the movie, given when it was being created and what it 
uh, unwittingly wound up in the middle of, right? Like there is no way when Sasha Baron Cohen sat down to begin planning what he wanted to do for this, that he could have any idea what was going to happen and how much stupider it was going to make everything stupider and more dangerous. I just still don't understand how things got stupider and more dangerous. Anyway, (laughs) like I can't, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it, but here we are. Sure. So I think there's it's that piece, but also the timing here. It's there. It was announced. There have been whispers about it for a while, but it was announced not long ago and is arriving in October before the presidential election. As and a surprise, one might say. Yeah, you might <laughs> say that. Um, and that is not. It's not accidental. It's not even subtle. You know what I mean? Like they want us to make that comparison. So. Um, so I think there's that aspect of sort of when it's arriving and why. Um, and I don't know how I necessarily feel about the latter. Um, mm. It is it is shocking, but also nothing brings these people down. So, like, I don't know what this is going to do to Rudy Giuliani that any of the other incredibly upsetting, <laughs> humiliating things that we've learned about Rudy Giuliani hasn't done, but... But it is news, right? It is a reminder to people um, of exactly how unstable and terrifying this whole situation is. Um, so I think both of those pieces matter. With regard to your question about 2016, 2017. Sure. Yeah. And neither of those things would really have the same potency in, at those at that time. I think like just in terms of public reaction, I think being under quarantine for a couple months probably helped people to be excited about this because like... <laughs> we're not getting good new stuff anyway, you know? So like, why not just get something that reminds us of like when we were drunk in college? But that's not true. We are getting good stuff all the time. Not it's Okay. Just, I, I will say the so type of people stuff. who might be excited for a Borat probably are not super excited that we got like, what first does that mean? Cow first and, cow. And yeah. Stuff. No, what does that <laughs> Bill, mean? I love that you and I both went to first cow. <laughs> I mean, that, I was also thinking of first cow, so I'm totally with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love first cow, but like, what does that mean? Oily cakes. People who like Borat. That's just as condescending as you're suggesting the film is. Well, this film has put me in a mood. I don't know if he can become a millionaire off of this. Maybe I can too. <laughs> okay. Well, and maybe I, I will say, I will say this. I think that they don't quite make good on his daughter, but I think they're at least trying things there that I think the, the kernel that this film has that I wish it did a lot more of is like pretty immediately when he gets to Texas, uh, I think it's Galveston is where he lands. Um, people are like, it's Bora. (laughs) Give me an autograph. Like, I I think there was something to do there to play with disguises more than just, you know, doing cosplay for the Americans. Like there is, there is, an actual thing they could have done there with disguises with the idea of like, Oh, he changes his outfit and it's open season again about what people can say. Like there's something very odd now about the fact that he's a celebrity and there was something to do with that. So the very fact that they try to go incognito immediately sort of, (laughs) it really feels like a missed opportunity to me. Although I, you know, I, even playing armchair screenwriter, I'm not sure quite what they do, but I do, again, like, I feel like this is almost on the verge of trying new things, and then it backs away. 
Um, And again, maybe that's the production considerations we've been discussing, but like there, I I might not say, I'm not sure that teeth is necessarily what I'm referring to here, but like, it's just kind of, (laughs) someone had to make that joke. Thank you, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of half measures. Like there's half an arc here with um with uh the daughter character you know there's like they're I, I trying think... to do something with uh with borat like embracing fatherhood like it's too much in the middle between these two like modes <laughs> I, I, I you you kind of you hit on two points so i'm i'm only going to touch on your initial point and that's that's about him kind of going incognito uh out of the borat costume and and donning a fat suit and doing all these things these workarounds and i think part of part of selling it to us as an audience whether it's real whether it's fake is acknowledging the fact that people know who borat is now and to not do that would just be idiotic right yeah because you're going to a borat movie and if you're not getting him in the suit with the mustache like you might be upset Sure. Well, I don't know well, but, about but that, more though. more more of more of the fact that like people know who Borat is and can recognize him on the street, right? right. Like people are not going to be duped very easily this time sure. around with a a person that is now kind of I, I don't even know what to call his his fame level, but it's sure. you know he is globally famous, right? Like people sure. see that and they they will recognize him. So I think that's part of it, but also a part of it is just simply because even if you're trying to sell this to an audience, like it, it would just be so damn difficult to go into a room of 100 people, try and make a joke in the Borat costume. Maybe 95% of them don't recognize him, right? Don't realize who it is. Don't have never seen Borat. And the other 5% are going to fuck it all up, right? Like you can't go down in public. Like if, if you see this guy signing an autograph and then turns around and asks you some asinine question, you're going to be like, Oh yeah. Like are, are we on camera right now? Like what's going on? So I think, I think the comedy aspect of that just completely falls apart. If you don't have him Mm. in, in some kind of other cosplay costume thing, I feel like we're I'm using cosplay wrong. I know what cosplay you know, <laughs> normally stands for. I don't. It's got to be a canon character, interchange- first of all. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's interchangeable with just dressing up in in a random fucking costume. But no, uh, you know, disguises and cosplay are very different. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think me. this is also probably like best termed an alter ego, a recognizable alter ego, sure. um, because right, like it's a Jiminy character Glenn. he created. Yeah, exactly. Like Jiminy Click. <laughs> it was the first one that came to my mind. <laughs> exactly. I almost just said exactly first like cow again. <laughs> I love exactly. that that's the one you went to. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I don't know. Let's 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 talk about the daughter character here. Um, does does I mean Allison? It sounds like obviously she's. She's the runaway star here. She's she's basically what what actually makes this work. Um, what I actually like is the fact that 
they don't bullshit around the fact that like they took this woman that does not look very attractive and made her fairly attractive by the end of the movie and it's they're not they're not being stupid about the fact that like yeah they definitely like made her out to look very different and you know by the halfway point they present her and now you kind of get this other half of it where you know there's this there's this two-sided kind of thing happening where she's supposed to be kind of ignorant of her kind of spot and her own beauty and her own like you know uh draw from other people around her while also being kind of dumb about the society that she lives in and, and everything like that. Right. Or not the society that she lives in, but the society that she's currently, uh, visiting, I guess, you know, um, I, I think that aspect's actually pretty interesting. And, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just can't help but say that she is like, the reason that kind of like it lulls in the middle and once she kind of takes on some personality and a larger role in the film that it kind of it it hits its stride i think yeah um i have not seen any of the rest of maria bakalova's work um i'm again i hope i'm pronouncing that right um but, you know, her she's got some other credits on her resume. This isn't her first outing. Um, so, you know, she certainly has been working and has some skill. Um, the, but the thing that I think is so effective about it is part of the reason that her scenes are more interesting is because what she is get putting out to elicit these responses is what I think Sasha Baron Cohen sort of attempts to do. Um but which he has been surpassed in by some of the people who followed in his footsteps. Um, mm. I think Nathan for you is a particularly good example of this, but, um, but what she, the energy that she projects is of sincerity, right? Not just yeah. chaos, not overwhelming you with wildness or strangeness. There certainly still is that, but when she is one-on-one -on -one with people, think about the Giuliani scene as an example, the energy that she's projecting is, um, nervousness, uh -huh. um, uh, a sort of like girlish discomfort, right? It's warm, it's charming, it's intended to flatter. Um, when she's talking to the quote unquote babysitter, it's a very different energy. And yeah. again, I suspect that that woman is in on the joke because it is a great performance performance yeah. um, she is she is she is a in, a in a way she is kind of a, a magnet right she's pulling people in whereas borat's kind of personality and and his his kind of outer texture even is always drawing people away or turning them sideways at least yeah you know? it's more about like what can I get away with and what terrible thing can I bring out in you is, is the Borat energy. The exception in this movie, other than his scenes with the daughter, um, is a very distressing scene when he goes into a synagogue and speaks with the Holocaust mm -hmm. survivor. Mm -hmm. um, it has since come out that 
he explained to that woman and to her friend in advance that um, who he was, his real identity, that the point of the scene was to make fun of anti-Semitism and the ridiculousness of its roots, uh, and that what he wanted to show was goodness and decency. And she said yes. Her, um, According to him, her family, she since died, her family now says that she was not aware that it was satire and they are suing him, so who knows what will come of that. Um, but Jesus the scene, Christ. that is another scene that does seem to be played sincerely, um, where yeah. he's, he's given someone the opportunity to be um, a much, 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 much bigger person. Uh, so that energy there is different. However, Maria Bakalova as Tutar, Tutor, I don't know, I don't know how we're saying it, outside of his uh, wacky accent, um, <laughs> she is, as you're saying, drawing people to her, and that makes the interactions much more complicated, I think. Uh, which is good. Like, if you're going to do this, the best you can hope for is that the conversations that result are full of sort of messiness and conflict, um, as opposed to let's just see how far we can push this. Which it's really like she is sincerely playing a character and not um, dropping in to stage a happening or like whatever the hell you want to call what <laughs> Sasha Baron sure. Cohen's modus operandi is. She's just always playing this young, incredibly sheltered girl who's been taught terrible things about the world her entire life. And she stays in that character and meets the people she's interacting with with such sincerity. The way she plays that scene in the women's Republican or the Republican women's meeting, um, she plays it as though she gets to spread this incredible news <laughs> to other women immediately. Yes. Mm -hmm. She gets to ease them of this burden and this fear and give them the gift of knowledge and of their bodies. And I think that's why the moment that was pointed out earlier when she says, so will someone call her an Uber works sure. is because it's not like get that huckster out of here. It's not like at CPAC. It's this yeah. young lady very clearly is in distress. Well, that's someone one of the women was trying to applaud for her. Just like, yeah, you know, like, good for you, I guess. <laughs> right. Something it's, it's very odd, but I think it works because it's played so sincerely. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, the, the, it's it, it is interesting, and and in 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 that way, I think it's it's almost I, I don't I don't know I I don't want to say that Sacha Baron Cohen is like a hero for doing that, but like he is in a way making room and like conceding that star power to her in this film. You know, I mean, he's he's basically like, okay, run with it. You know, like mm -hmm. all right. We're we're gonna focus on your character because you're getting either the best stuff or you know we just think you will, and so you know there. I think it, Michael. I think you mentioned or someone else mentioned you know a passing of the torch in a way, but sure. I think I think there's there's a little bit of that energy because I mean th this film is called Borat. You know, subsequent whatever the film. fucking yes, whatever the fuck <laughs> subtitle it is. But you it's know, a it's, much it, shorter, it, clearer subtitle than the first film. I'll just say that it's <laughs> sure, sure. But the, I just called the first one Borat, so this one just gets called Borat. Cultural too, learnings of America sure. for make benefit, glorious nation of Kazakhstan. 
Yes. Excellent. Yes. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think there is a little bit of, of something to say about Sasha Baron Cohen basically, you know, conceding the spotlight here. Well, it is interesting see, I, just to, to bring up this as another like shading of what is real, you know, what is false. Apparently, she was previously credited as Arena Nowak. On IMDb, I think, I mean, who knows who put that on there? Yeah, I noticed this on um, when I was writing up the news on Thursday or Wednesday, whatever day it was, uh, because it also listed her character as Sarah Jessica Desmond or whatever it was. Oh, in the cotillion scene. Yes. So I suspect that someone who was a part of that scene, one of the people who filmed that scene went in and added her to IMDb because well, so they, apparently, her name was this or that or the other thing. According to this uh, slate article that I'm looking at, um, which was, I guess uh, done on the 20th, no, the 1st of October, the film, the trailer has no credits and there's no internet movie database page for the film, which is crazy that wow. that was less than a month wow. ago. But Amazon's press release says that the movie to be released October 23rd, is starring Sasha Baron Cohen and Irina Novak. Hmm. Well, I mean, it is so. not uncommon for young actresses and actors to to have various names before they kind of make their mark and then and then stick with one name. They might also have given out a false name to prevent um, mm-hmm. people from sure. attempting to reach out to her because obviously mm. they wanted to keep a lot of this stuff under wraps, um, particularly the Rudy Giuliani stuff. If that had started to leak, that young woman's life yeah. would have been a total nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there is also, I mean, there is an arena Novak um, on IMDb. She Maybe is, she's the one with the brown hair. Well, she's with a V not a W. And yes, she is apparently 42 years old and has dark hair. Uh, she is also, again, because IMDb, who knows, she is also credited as playing Sandra Jessica Parker Sagdiev on Jimmy Kimmel Live on October 19th. <laughs> so who knows? She obviously is not involved. This woman is not in this movie, but for some reason, sure. her name got mixed up. It's weird. It's all so weird. Just keep going down this rabbit hole. I feel like we're going to find something terrifying out about the future of mankind by going through this. I I guess the one thing I want to push back back on about the ostensible nobility of him giving Maria spotlight is like, I mean, like after this, what I really hope for with this film is, is this is a springboard for her career. But like I... There is still something weird that if they did want this to be a passing of the torch, they could have, you know, she didn't have to leave the movie. That they could have done things to take uh, take it away from Borat. Like, it's, I, I think, I'm realizing as the more we talk about this that, like, Borat's kind of, like, played out. He was always fundamentally static. Like, his, an arc isn't really possible for him because he, uh, again, like he's less of a character than just like a negative force in relation. That's an interesting point because when I was watching this movie and she shows up having eaten the monkey, um, which I will not explain. So hopefully everyone has watched this movie already. (laughs) I, I thought to myself like, Oh, that's actually super clever. They're going to play up the fact that he can't do what he's supposed to do because he's fucking Borat. And they're going to like 
it's going to be a sort of intermingling of like reality and fiction where like he's going to have to teach her how to become uh, a, a journalist or something so that she can then take over not only in the narrative sense, but also on like the front lines, I guess you would call it of like going out and and manipulating these people. Uh, but that's not what happened. <laughs> they 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 keep her in a literal cage and then she disappears at some point and then comes back having turned into like a Z tier Tam Ta- Tammy Tommy Lauren Tommy Tommy Lauren. oh yeah 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 with the yeah, Patriot that's, that's, yeah yeah that's definitely what I was thinking when I saw her with the blonde hair I was like oh shit it, <laughs> it, she she like she does have. I don't know if it's the energy, but she's definitely got some of that just look about her. I don't know what it is. And it's not it's not just the blonde hair and it's not just the, the it's the, it's the blonde, well dressed conservative thing. Yes. Like it's well, it's the Fox News uniform. Yeah, right? exactly. Like <laughs> sure. tight dress, blonde hair, always down. It's the OAN of it all, right? <laughs> yeah. I still oh, I know. I only learned what OAN was this summer. I don't know how long it's been around for. <laughs> I just know nothing about it. And then suddenly it crashed into my life. Um, and I just, uh, I'm super happy that I still haven't seen a single shred of uh, imagery from it. <laughs> you, you are blessed. You are blessed, man. I guess it's weird. Cause I have a lot of like conservative friends and relatives and like they won't or haven't posted any OAN stuff. So for the longest time, I thought it was just like a funny thing that people were calling Fox News now. Uh huh. And it is not. It is apparently its it own is thing. Not. It's the president's fave. <laughs> well, that's the crazy thing it is, is people said that, and I was like, well, clearly they're talking about Fox News, and they're just calling it like the sure. One America News Network because it's like a funny fascist kind of sounding name. Uh, but yeah. that's no, it's real, and uh, I am scared by it. <laughs> yep. I wouldn't yep. even know how to go the, the about. The internet is a is a terrifying thing. <laughs> but it's it's not it's that is, is it on TV or is it just on the internet? No, I think it's on just the internet. I don't think you can get it on like PBS. So it, well, like I didn't that. think you could get it on PBS, but I thought maybe it was like Channel Three Seventy Two <laughs> on Comcast. I, I don't. I, I don't have no think idea, and I'm afraid yeah. to Google it. So. Oh God! You know, I was I was looking for mid-century Public modern Trump furniture radio. today, and now my Google ads are filled with either well, weird furniture or chairlifts for stairs. Uh, I mean, I mean, let's let's be honest. If you have your phone near you right now, you're fucked either anyway, because, you know, Instagram and Facebook and whatever social media platform you have now is now going to serve you ads for OAN. So let me say it louder. OAN, OAN, OAN. OK. All right. Well, OK. I have noticed <laughs> that. Like-, like if I if I listen to a podcast, like I listened to the last podcast on the left and they were talking about some serial killer who they made like a John Cusack movie about or something. And then that day, like my Roku was like, Hey, check out this John Cusack serial killer movie. And I was like, uh, yeah. uh, yeah, they're, they're not is he just in the ether coy. or is it like, did, did, did no. the phone hear itself or what's happening now? Yeah. Sure. They're not even being coy about it anymore. I, I definitely said something about like a gaming chair and Erica's phone served her ads for gaming chairs. <laughs> and she didn't, she was like, that's the stupidest fucking thing. Why, why is there a, a genre of chair called gaming chairs? And she was like, this is dumb. And then she got served, uh, 
Instagram ads for it. And she showed me and she was like, I hate you so much right now. <laughs> I was just like, uh, this is the world we live in. So I just scrolled through my Facebook and it's a bunch of camera equipment, which makes sense no matter what I'm doing. And <laughs> something called Nordic Socks. I've never been more owned by Twitter than when I mentioned I wanted a milkshake from Potbelly and immediately a milkshake showed up in my feed. (laughs) (laughs) That's next level, Mike. Speaking of terrifying things about the modern world. Oh, I also want to say I can't confirm this. I I see this just from someone. Apparently everything that Borat is speaking in this film is Hebrew. So it's, it's not a made up uh, Kazakhstan no. language. They Everybody didn't learn Kazakh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I, I feel like that would be a, a good joke that they're speaking Hebrew. I mean, that does sound like know. the Everybody type of confusing or looks confused when they're listening. So I don't know. I don't know. I figured they're just screaming at each other gibberish. But, you know, who knows? Uh, if you were a uh, speaker of Hebrew, please reach out and let us know. Anyways, what else? What else we got? Um, I don't know. I wish uh, that I could fast forward. No, I don't actually. I don't want to know what's coming at all. I was going to say I wish that I could fast forward five years. That's a dangerous wish. Yeah, no, I don't. I was going to say I wish I could jump forward five years and see um, how sort of our thoughts about this film had coalesced uh, mm-hmm. with some distance from the moment. Uh, but I, but I don't, I'm afraid to open that box. So I don't wish that, but I do think uh, assuming we all still exist in five years, it will be interesting to look back on what, the, what, if any impact this movie had and what it sort of says as a document of a very particular moment in time and in our sort of political atmosphere, um, because man, it's, it's wild. Do you have like any prognostication as to what you think might happen with this movie? Mm, not I really. I mean, I, I have no idea. I think that if nothing else, the fact that the fact of when it was being filmed and the, the pivot that they make and the sentiments that they're capturing, I mean, it's going to be way more interesting as a document of the moment than any of the social distancing series that we're getting, right? Co- uh, HBO's Coastal Elites or Netflix has Social Distance or all those things. Just <laughs> so glad that it's, I haven't sure. heard of either of those. Ooh, things. There are all kinds of there are Jealous. four, five, six things out there now that have been produced remotely that aren't like. Um, Let's throw something together really quick and do a reunion. Or um, there was right, one like, really Parks and Rec and Thirty Rock had reunion things. Right. Am I misremembering that? Yes, they West did. Wing. Yeah, the West, West Wings. Wing. But that um, was table read. That was just a table read of a pre-existing script. I was yeah. so mad. <laughs> oh, see, I had a different response. I think it's just have great actors do a compelling story and put them on a beautiful stage in an empty theater. And yeah, I'll watch, I'll watch all know. of that. Like, you know, I'd the West... much rather watch that than watch 30 rock essentially do the NBC upfronts on primetime. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I haven't <laughs> seen any of these things. So I, you know, cause I was, I, I sat down, I was like, I'm going to watch this West wing thing. And then, 
There's a, uh, I almost called him Bradley Cooper. That's not right. It's Bradley Whitford there. And he's like, hey, we're going to reread Hartsfield's Landing. And I was like, oh, I don't like that episode. And I just turned it off. <laughs> and then I went and well, did something it is, else. It is beautifully so now we're on a different subject, obviously, but it's beautifully staged and all the actors are really incredible, shocking no one. Uh, and they don't attempt to play the young versions of their characters. So everyone's interpretation is kind of different. It's interesting. But as an artifact of right now, I think this is much more valuable um, than any of the other things that people have been attempting to create so far that we've seen have been attempting to create while all of this is going on. Um, it certainly is better and more interesting than any of those sort of lighter comedies. Um, it's going to be more interesting than the first person that tries to make a heartfelt drama about communities coming together. First responder, oh, like, right. It's, I mean, it's inevitable. I need to get uh, Joe Swanberg to come in and make a, uh, a movie about my distillery making hand sanitizer. That's what I need. <laughs> It'll be like a sequel to drinking buddies, except no one is as pretty and it's even more boring somehow. <laughs> I like jerky buddies. But, oh, okay. Bill. <laughs> Allison, I think it may be hard, and maybe this is another like five years from now, you know, so two weeks away. But, um, <laughs> like, what do you think is that? Is there a certain scene that stands in your head? I, I, I'm not sure I agree that people are going to be thinking about this that much years from now, but I'm, I'm just wondering is there a particular, is it the Rudy Giuliani scene or is it? Is it something else in this that really like encapsulates the mood for you? I don't know about the mood um, so much, but also if any of us feel like they have an accurate gauge on their intellectual or emotional life right now, they're full of shit. So like, I don't know. I don't know how it serves as a reflection. All I know is that it exists and feels much more sort of alive um, okay. than a lot of the more manicured um, let's all get together and make this work things like the Subaru ads like I, I like I just everything that comes out that like addresses the, the, the pandemic and the quarantine to me feels like a Subaru ad right now <laughs> and I say this as someone who drives a Subaru and I love Subarus but like their ads are very cloying you know, oh, like yes. there's one where this this grandmother is getting driven around by her granddaughter and like they're doing like a little road trip and they go to a, a, a gas station and the daughter gets back in the car after talking to a boy and the grandmother's like, did you get his number? And she's just like, grandma. And then they like get to the house and it's like, I'm so glad I bought a Subaru. And I'm like, you know, it's just it's just too cloying. But like, yeah, the like the Parks and Rec, like all those things, the things where like you can see the earnestness. Uh, in the eyes of people, it's like, oh, what was that? The Gal Gadot thing? Was that Imagine. during the pandemic? That was yeah. like right at the start, wasn't it? That was like week two. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus. So it was seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I, I like Is heard, it still March? I, I, was, I think it was in it March. It was still it, March, yeah. yeah. Maybe no, no, early I, I mean, April. I mean, I mean, like right now. Oh, oh, okay. 
I was about to say it was that, that, that I, I made that joke and nobody got it, and so now I have to explain it with true instance. Yeah, I thought you were legitimately still, asking still if laughed. that happened. Allison still did. laughs. So well, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know what? There's a there's a great as with the best jokes, as Sasha Baron Cohen knows, in all the best jokes, there's a grain of truth. And in this case, the grain of truth is you could tell me it was still March or that it was 2024, and I would absolutely yeah. believe you. <laughs> I don't know. I got no idea. Um, you were you were talking about sincerity, Brian. Go ahead. Yeah, I I think that like that that sincerity rings a little hollow or comes off as very cloying, or just like yeah. uh, it's not what I want right now. You know, stop trying to be my best friend just because we're all going through something. And uh, so I feel like I feel like none of that stuff is going to hold up because this ended up not being like a World War Two style scenario where everyone's got a freedom garden and we're all rolling old tires to the army refuse center where they can be melted down into plane parts like we instead all had to stick in our houses and just grow bitter and isolated. And then so after like than World War Two, <laughs> what was that? way yeah. worse than world war ii well, yeah. yeah at least at least that's how some in terms of like stateside it. cohesion like yeah a lot worse like no one no one's buying covid bonds you know like there's not you know victory parties like you know in world war ii like entire coastal cities turned out their lights at sunset and we can't even get people to wear masks like we had yeah. like four <laughs> yeah. weeks of everyone behaving and then because of horrible leadership and just like really bad I don't even know what the word is. I don't I was gonna say news or press releases mis, mis, or just mistrust. messaging. It's, it's right. just mistrust. Messaging it's, it's just, just became so in. harried and bad that like every like a, a large section of the population just said, fuck it, no one in charge know what's going on, and I'm just gonna stop pretending like I give a shit. Um so this movie doesn't capture that. Um because I actually <laughs> Found it a little a little weird that these QAnon conspiracists, should they actually be real people, would have isolated. <laughs> like, I I found myself picking up on these little things that either felt like, well, I mean, to be fair, they didn't, and they did at the same time, right? Because I mean, where did he find them? Right in a, an abandoned town, buying groceries. Right, but then out they of, stayed in like the house for like Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, out of out of like a weird convenience store that seemed like it was a gun shop instead. I don't know what I that thought it was. was a liquor store, but I have no idea. Yeah, okay. but I mean, you Anyways, know, uh, it was but, it was. I mean, it, they definitely go back into society mo- at multiple times. Well, yeah, I mean, didn't we all? Well, yes, not quite, but, not quite at the level they do. Well, yes, um, I didn't go to a rally or anything, but that was the other weird <laughs> part about all of that. And I get like, you know, again, the movie's kind of escaping me, but like we had like three weeks before there was like a mask order. So like it was it it uh, like the timeline of him being like, oh, we're in a lockdown and these guys being like, yeah, we're in a lockdown. We got to do it. We got to see what happens. And then suddenly being at a mask rally, I was like, that's like a jump of like two months. Mm. So to find that he was only in there for five days was a little weird. Yeah, that one. I mean, but also who knows? exactly how long it was before the rally happened like that could have been for all we know weeks later i have no idea i thought they said that she was going to be at the like they were still in quarantine and like she's going to be at the rally tomorrow yeah that's they were also but they were so good at like movie style best friend like we're going to help you win that girl type stuff that i was like these guys have to be actors right like it can't 
That's like, what I thought. Re- I mean, and who knows? Maybe they are. Um, I still sort of think they are, even if he's saying otherwise. Yeah. Because it was just um, like their whole like, she, that, that's a, the rally's going to be here tomorrow. Like, we got to go. And then he's up on the stage. They're like, look at him. It's, it's him on the stage. And I was like, this is either they've watched a lot of movies and know how they're supposed to act. Or this is like a cute. step too far. You know, I wonder if maybe to re- revise my answer from earlier, if maybe that scene, the rally, um, is one that I think will be a, a valuable yep. artifact, if not uh, a terrific piece of filmmaking. Because that, I mean, knowing when, exactly when that was filmed, as I'm sure we will eventually. Um, sure. It just, it's a bunch of people without masks while hundreds of thousands of people are dying singing a song about how Barack Obama should be injected with the Wuhan flu and how journalists should be, cut them up like the Saudis do. Like That in and of itself, I think, may be a valuable artifact. And then the Giuliani scene it's just a matter of which insane things pop out from this year, but that could be one of them. It is truly sure. insane. She And you would think that somebody, somebody would just be checking, just be checking the people who are getting one-on-one time with the president's lawyer. But uh, nope. apparently not. Nope. Yeah, especially, especially this close to an election year and everything like that. You know, I mean, it, it's one thing during. A, I mean, there's no excuse, anyways. But it just seems like you would just heighten things around this time. But it's like, nah. You know, you, 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 look at her; she's harmless, right? And that's that's probably exactly what they did. They were like, oh, you have a news site? Show me a photo. Oh, okay. that's probably the sure. words they use too. Harmless. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was very uncomfortable we, with how catchy that song was. Like it, it shouldn't the Obama be song? catchy. No, the, yes, the Obama song, it was, it was catchy and that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a good old like swamp stomping country beat. I mean, those did things are earworms, you, man. Oh did you, did you start uh, moving your knee up and down? Uh, not quite, not quite. But, you know, and, you know, a little nodding here and there. <laughs> oh, no. It was, it was definitely a choose, a choose your own adventure kind of song, too. He, he gave them <laughs> options at certain points. <laughs> Include, you know, I will say that 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 uh, the crowd picked the one that did best in the rhyme scheme and the rhythm. So, like, you know, <laughs> um, what do what do we make of the fact that uh, right at the end, this movie I didn't stay too long after the credits, but right at the end, it says, go vote. Oh, did it? Yeah, y'all didn't see that? Did you guys not feel that? Like, I felt like the last 10 minutes of this movie took, like, a strong left, uh, like, left-leaning thing. Politically or, like? No, politically. Like, in terms of how feminism, which is, like discussed to an extent becomes foregrounded like there's a lot of choices that are like really uh, i'm shocked that you think that's only the last 10 minutes that's like every ounce of this movie i i i think that some of the plot contrivances have some of that wokeness but i don't think that a lot of the improvisational bits do with exceptions um 
Yeah, I'll I go, mean, I'll, I'll go more. along with that. It, it it definitely it definitely shows its hand more towards the end when it's not around the uh, the quarantiners specifically. Sure. Yeah, I mean, like, it's preaching the converted, but I was still like, wow, I wasn't quite expecting this to be like, oh, we're back in Kazakhstan, uh, down with the patriarchy <laughs> and the running of the American. And then, I don't know, I kind of like the usual suspects, <laughs> oh even though God. it was lazy. I'm like, sure, of course you guys are doing this. Why not? Like, it was, yeah, it, that was very SNL movie to me, <laughs> but. I don't know. A much worse version of that um, clip where uh, Ryan Gosling is freaked out over papyrus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, Uh, the end of this movie definitely felt like it was a victim of uh, all the stuff that had happened because it's, it's definitely like, Oh, you're back. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, You were made to spread the flu and now we're going to do the running American and then we're done. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Y- yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm it is I, just to get back to that actual idea. I like every time something new is released now, um, especially on TV. Like every time a new TV series premieres, that is definitely like pre-pandemic. Like it feels very weird. It feels like uh, you're we're running out of a resource that you don't know. Like maybe you should have saved it. Yep. You know, because like we were saying, like there's there's these apparent what is it social distancing and coastal elites? Oh yeah, then there are more. There are a bunch of like quote unquote COVID comedies or COVID. There was Love in the Time of Corona that was on Freeform in February. Not February. Oh my God, when was it? A month ago. I have no idea. Is Freeform (laughs) the mobile only one, or is Freeform the one that used to be ABC? No, that's not Quibi. That used to be ABC Family. Is that right? Yeah. No, there was. Uh, okay. uh, um, it's not Quibi, Bill. I know it's not Quibi. Quibi's not a channel. <laughs> Quibi doesn't exist. No, there used to be like a a mobile only like Quibi. It's not Quibi. Everybody, stop saying Quibi. <laughs> it was like Go ninety, but like different. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> a little bit. But like you know, like the Queen's Gambit came out this weekend, and I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Are you sure that we shouldn't save this for like later? <laughs> like, what if a year from now we still can't produce like truly masterful, moving, amazing series like this? Maybe we should hold this back as like a trump card at the end of time, you know? Just like, well, uh, everything's going to shit, but, uh, you know, October 2021, we'll finally show you Queen's Gambit. Well, I've got a little good news in that all of the networks seem to have figured out that there are a bunch of great Canadian and British shows that American audiences who aren't inquisitive about television have never seen, and they're airing them like they're premieres. <laughs> so there will be they're good pulling the coming. They're pulling it's, the Netflix, where totally. it's just like, oh yeah, this yeah. is definitely a Netflix original. It was produced in 2003. Like, <laughs> there are like three different Canadian or British dramas airing on the CW right now. They're also airing Swamp Thing, which was canceled as a new series on the CW right now because it was on DC Universe before. There's a lot of that kind of thing happening. (laughs) It's reshuffling. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to watch barbarians, which is definitely in uh, German and is on Netflix. And I'm like, ah, okay. I guess, uh, you know, they they're just uh they got things in their in their so-called quiver 
um, just ready to go. I'm burning and, through Queen's Gambit and I'm like, I should really take this easier. You know, I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to. It's like when you get a snack well, that's regional and then you get home and you're like, I'm just going <laughs> to eat this entire bag. And you're like, no, I don't know when I'm going well, west again. I should really. They they also uh, I don't know if, if y'all notice, but um, well, I don't know if y'all watch the show anyways, but uh, Great British Baking Show is back. Yes. Um, but they are releasing it weekly now. That is a Netflix yeah. show. And so, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, I remember me and Erica went through the first like two episodes <laughs> and we were like, we we're like. Where's where's where the fuck is episode three? Where's the fucking rest of the like, next like, Friday? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like what the Friday. shit? That uh, is actually weekly. So oh, not fuck. new. Um, that's part of their deal with ITV or whatever. Is oh. that that Bake Off on Netflix now has to come out weekly? So that oh. was already in place, but. Okay. But hey, that's a show that was produced during in quarantine the, in yeah. the time of Corona, as Free Farm would say. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so they quarantined together and then all did the show together. And yeah. I um I made the mistake of listening to Michael Snydell and watching Evil. Um, oh, oh, we're about to have a fight. I love Evil. Oh no, I love it too. The mistake, Good. however, is that once I got to the final episode, I said, "Oh Christ, I don't know when I'm going to get any more of this." <laughs> <laughs> I should have done what I always do and wait until the next season is coming so that I can burn through the first one and then jump on in the second season. You could watch I'm the just, good fight and the good fight. Well, I'm I mean, not getting I mean, CBS Brian, All Access. Brian, you're you're under the assumption that Evil gets a fucking second season. That's, uh, that's the reason I haven't. Yeah, okay, they're, yeah. yeah well, they're in pre-production I, right now. You know what else was in pre-production? I'm pretty sure Glow. So well, they you yeah. talk to them. Luck season it, two. Glow had scrapped the early part of their season um, and there was concern about the expense of it. It's all bullshit. Glow should not be canceled. However, um, evil, they just did a trailer that they all shot at home uh, and the Kings are huge stars at CBS. If there's one series where I'm like, that'll be fine. That it's evil. Also, the Kings would be like, wait, you're saying we can only film over web cams for a season. Great. This is going to get so weird. And then it would just get really, really weird. That and the good fight. We're going to get some weird stuff from the Kings about this particular moment in time. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. evil is all about the the Satan and the devil. I mean, a plague fits right into their grand design. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Every episode. <laughs> what was that, Michael? Baranski just microdosing every episode. Of- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, she's already microdosing every episode. I don't yep. know. She could microdose. She could do macrodose, you know. <laughs> That's how that works. Macrodose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, no, I do. Okay, I do want to say the one thing about quarantine is like sometimes it's fascinating. So Love Island was weird because like people stopped w- wearing makeup like the second or third day, which was very strange. And then the mass <laughs> Singer pretends there's an audience when there's very obviously not an audience. But like. Great British Baking Show. I want them to lean into like what what is the behind the scenes? Like who's friends with each other? Like I'm already trying to figure out like who really cares when someone does something bad and everything. <laughs> Just go the full way and show me show me how much Noel is actually annoying Paul or Noel and Max actually are annoying Paul behind yeah. the scenes. Give me everything. 
<laughs> give, give me Big Brother, <laughs> Great British Baking Show. Get rid of the baking. Just give me all those people. I cannot believe. I cannot believe I'm about to make this suggestion, but I am. If that is what's interesting you about the Great British Bake Off, the thing oh, no. that you need to check out that's airing right now is The Bachelorette. <laughs> Oh my. Um, which is uh, which I watch every week because I write a column about it for the takeout called what food didn't get eaten on the bachelorette this week. That's just <laughs> all the about food. all, all the, the food they food. don't eat. It is oh, the most Jesus. surreal thing I do. I have so much fun doing it. Um, the show itself is terrible. Uh, however, they all quarantined for the, she got announced. Then they, then they canceled because it's a show about them traveling the world and smooching on each other. It's a terrible show to do during a <laughs> pandemic. So then they restarted it, had everybody quarantine for two weeks, and now they're doing all of the like dates and trips and stuff in one resort in Palm Springs. And it's just, there have only been two episodes and I'm already watching them all slowly go insane. Like already, <laughs> they'll just be like, let's go on a picnic. And they walk three bungalows over and there's just like a picnic <laughs> basket. Or it'll be like, let's Let's go to a carnival and it's like a carnival ride that they set up next to another cabana it's the it is surreal it sounds like what was that stupid show that you talked me into watching michael oh it started good you dummy uh the one where they can't have sex uh on netflix where it's like it's, it's called like love money sucks or something like that it's you know I can't too hot to handle <laughs> Oh, that's that's the one that had that like ridiculous uh, Netflix like three minute preview that I watched one time. Yeah. I was like, this is no the first insane. the first two to four episodes of that were were pretty good, and then I just stopped watching. The oh, rules okay. are so stupid in that in that show. Wait, I'm sorry. I just want to say one more thing about Love Island. So this season is not good, <laughs> but it's it's taking place. So they only have Caesar's Hotel. So. It's so funny. So the B-roll can never show any of the part of the Vegas strip because they very clearly have a deal where they can only show Caesars. <laughs> so it's, they just do different angles. Of they do Caesars. a shot of the strip and everything yes. is blurred out except for Caesars. <laughs> and the other everything part, else did not sign the NDA. And the other best part was when when they all came, they came, they each came up in a Lamborghini, and so the driver always has a mask, and he brought everyone up. The person walks out of the Lamborghini, but it's just like a person in a mask driving a Lamborghini, driving them up to the sidewalk, and then you just see the rooftop. It's like a Lamborghini is not, not really like a passenger centric automobile, right? Are they it's sitting not. shotgun? Y- yes. Wow, that sounds miserable. Yes. Um, yeah. Best part of they Too Hot sh- to Handle was that there was some sort of jungle animal that kept running in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was an iguana, but I can't be sure. Well, the, you know, Allison, you haven't mentioned uh, I, I kind of eavesdropped on uh, an episode that Erica was watching of The Bachelorette. And uh, I have watched the last two seasons, by the way. Uh, well, starting with uh, the drama of Luke P. If you know if you know who that is, then Luke you know Perry? what I'm talking about. No, not Luke Perry. No, oh, no Luke P. Uh, um, R.I.P. Luke P. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, the the fun of the show is supposed to be that sometimes they have these competitions where like half, you know, like they have massive 
uh, male or female suitors at first that they have to slowly whittle down, and then they get to do these these fantastic trips overseas and all this stuff. Well, what's supposed to happen is like half of the competition like goes into a in or half of the people go into like a competition and win or lose that half then gets a chance to like have time with the bachelor or bachelorette. Well now with the closed confines, people are starting and they already started doing this a couple of seasons ago anyways, but people are starting to be like, you know, yeah, I lost with my team, but I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go interrupt these people like during their filming of like their like dinner dates or whatever the hell they're doing and just be like, Hey, can I go steal you for like five minutes and let's go chat? And this is, and it's definitely happening now. Like I think more and more and people are just like, Oh fuck. Like I can't actually get away from them. And like, I think as producers, you would be dumb to say, no, you can't come over here. We're filming. Oh, no, the producers are probably like posting signs that are like, hey, the date's happening over there. <laughs> yes. In five <laughs> minutes, it will be happening here. If you They send out here, a group text that are like, they're going to be in room C. Oh, shoot. That wasn't supposed to go to everyone. Reply all. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for my. There's season. a gun in the kitchen cabinet. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> yeah, so they're definitely doing that now, and uh, yeah, that's definitely something fun that's happening. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I don't want to spoil things, but the big rumor for this season is apparently like they replace her halfway through or something like that. So, oh, I thought you were gonna say they get COVID. Um. I really want to watch Selena and Chef. That's all I have to. Oh, no, that's actually good. I it's, know. I've heard it's really it's good. Legit, and I find good. Selena Gomez to be a winning presence. And I'm like, maybe I should watch that. The, the best part about that. The, the best part about that show is that her parents are there all the time. And her dad is either kind of an ass, but also just like just like that guy that's always teasing his daughter. Like it is hilarious. So he's always commenting on like how she's chopping things or stuff like that. Sounds yeah. great. This sounds winning. I can't wait to I, watch it. I just realized that to be totally accurate, because I don't I don't want to dunk on a show that doesn't deserve it. There is exactly one um remotely produced show that I've seen and people, I should say also people really love the mythic quest Ravens banquet, um, COVID remotely produced COVID episode, but I have not seen that as I didn't see the first season. Uh, anyway, that is supposed to be good, but, uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen did a series together, uh, called staged that aired in the UK and is now Mm. available here on Hulu (laughs) that I'm sort of shocked. They're not pushing more. Mm. Um, which is about the two of them agreeing sort of against their better judgment to continue to rehearse a production of six characters in search of an author over webcam, despite the fact that they're all quarantining. (laughs) And it's just them both being sort of like, um, well, slowly descending into madness, right? Like it's, it's that one is good. And I heartily (laughs) recommend it. Both of their significant others are in it. Um, it's just like, it's a, it is a really good time. David Tennant wears a headband the whole time. He just has a headband on because that's what he does when he's at home. Um, it's a, it's very entertaining. So listening to this podcast also, I believe serves as like a good document of just the way that life has gone crazy. (laughs) 
Like, especially in the beginning when we were like really leaning into like, let's do a COVID update. Let's see how everyone's doing. And then just listening to the reviews and you can hear me like slowly losing my mind. Yes. Because everyone's like, hey, Brian, are you okay? And I'm just like, I haven't slept in four days. I've made so much hand sanitizer. I'm so tired. I just need a day off. Uh, when when I was uh, emailing with Michael talking about being on the podcast, I got my first, hey, are you doing all right? That I've gotten a while. <laughs> because on Saturday, I started tweeting about all of my various quarantine pursuits. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, hey, are you doing okay? I was like, yeah, my roller skates get here Tuesday. I'm great. Are you kidding? I can't wait. I'm going to just go around to tennis court over and over and over again and try to feel alive. Let's do this. <laughs> Yeah. And meanwhile, everyone's like, hey, man, you, are, you're are you you're like really looking tired. I'm like, I've never been more busy in my life and I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> it's so annoying. Everyone's like, you haven't mowed your lawn in three weeks. I'm like, there's no time. <laughs> Ugh, you, anyway, you, you made time for Borat, too. I uh, that again, part of my frustration. Uh, <laughs> this great and, success. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm no. thinking of ending things. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was the fucking guy you like. I don't even like Kaufman. <laughs> I know, it, but like, like I said, and I guess getting us back on track now that we spent like forty minutes not talking about Borat. Thank God. Um, it's harder to watch a movie that I don't like after like eight oh, months. Weird how that works. <laughs> what was that? Weird how that works. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, just generally, like, I have sat through some movies that I hated before, you know, but like, I, like the last couple months have just been like, oh my God, I could die tomorrow. Or like, I have so much stuff that I need to do. And I'm not even like out of my house. I'm not even in a movie theater. Like, this is just the worst. And like, I'm thinking of ending things. I like literally just wanted to vacuum the whole movie. <laughs> And when I took my little, like, mental health break to get back into Borat 2, I went and fixed a section of drywall in my daughter's room. And that was my, like, self-care to get back into this movie. Like, it's insane. Nothing makes sense anymore. It's just completely crazy. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's part of it. I guess I don't really have anything else to say about this movie. I kind of got my diatribe out front. I'm I'm glad that we had a chance to talk about it at a greater length. Um, does anyone have anything else to say? We kind of abandoned the movie for a little bit there. <laughs> Maybe another mark of the movie's staying power. I guess well, that's one, that's kind of the problem. Well, like Michael asked me, like, are you going to be able to talk intelligently during this? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But like, the weirdest part is that. Like, I'm thinking of ending things. I had a lot to say about how I disliked it because it felt like there were many different facets to dislike and there were things that it was doing that I wish it had done better. And this movie just felt so, like, weak. I was almost upset that it didn't infuriate me more. Like, I was kind of, after the, the first, like, 40 minutes or whatever, I was like, oh, well, this sucks because I don't even, like, feel the rage that I felt at first over this. And, and it just became a very, like, it was easier to sit through because I wasn't feeling anything, which is not a mark in the movie's favor. Um, it was just very strange. It was a very strange, uh, situation to be in. And, uh, yeah, I feel like once you kind of talk about the theme and the basics of this movie, it just, it's hard to even dive into any specifics because 
it's it's all the same it's just it's just like a giant homogenous you know cracker <laughs> oh boy you know crackers are good sometimes so if you crumble I, them I, up I, I in will soup, take that as yeah. a compliment <laughs> Whoa, whoa, what is wrong with crackers? Holy. I didn't say there's anything wrong with crackers. I'm just not going to eat like a 40 pound cracker. Does anybody want to eat a 40 pound cracker? Somewhere oh, out there is a person okay. who just got like just really excited that I said 40 pound cracker. Okay. Depending on Wait, the cracker. What is cracker week? I just got Great thirsty. British Bake Show. <laughs> Great British Baking. Cracker week. <laughs> all right, now we're all going to go around the horn. We're going to say what our favorite type of cracker is. I'll go first, Ritz. <laughs> no i'm not participating in this (laughs) not leaning in um yeah i will say however like it's i I, there was a moment um allison that you brought up where you said like you know when when someone does something like it kind of shows you how monstrous they are but like i don't even know that i can agree with that in terms of this movie because there's a camera there and the characters up front are so absurd that I almost found myself like regressing to when I would work in a restaurant and like, just be with some, like (laughs) dealing with a table where I'm like, I don't know if they're fucking with me. I don't know if there's some deeper issue going on here. Like, I'm just going to smile and give them their water and then get the fuck away from them. Like, and the easiest way to do that is just to, laugh and give them what the fuck they want and so like that's not what they do they agree or they say things like at one point he's like how much would you pay for my daughter and he whispers into his ear i also love that his daughter's like that's so fucking (laughs) gross what's wrong with you (laughs) but like they don't they're not like oh this is happening people go along with it like i don't think you can totally use that argument that it's just like Oh, I'm at my job. I have to deal with this. As Allison said, you don't have to write made the Jews. Oh, wait, what is it? Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, Jews will not the replace Jews us. Jews will not replace us. Yeah. Yeah. Jews will not replace us. You can easily just be like, you know, is, the, is there anything else I can write? Like, I, I don't believe that it's worth uh, like not losing. Wait, what am I trying to say? I like they can lose that fucking sale. <laughs> There's a but it's almost not Even the sale. I, the camera almost it. It, it, like requires you to like go along with things. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We we are also thinking and saying that there is a camera there. I don't know if they have like large cameras that they're just running around with. I don't know how much artifice. So you think there's just an unspoken third person who's walking around with like a very large cowboy no. hat? Well, not, anybody, not I mean, anybody whose face isn't blurred signed some sort of agreement, yes. right? They said, yes, I will be on camera. Un- so unless, they know- unless, I think unless they either have a non-speaking role or they're on screen for like five seconds or less or something like that. Like yeah. there, there's some kind of weird little, little middle ground where they can just be like, eh, we're filming publicly. So the bathroom you know. guy, for instance. Yes. Well, but like one of the bathroom guys is definitely blurred out. So he clearly was like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, you're not getting me on camera. Totally. So So I, and I think actually that you're sort of underlining part of my point, and maybe this is a point I didn't articulate so well, is I think the situation in, in, and granted it's been years since I've seen it, but in the first Borat, 
um, it is that situation a lot of the time where you have to think, sure. there, is this person going to end up in a position where they feel like they're going to lose their job? Are they just trying to sort of go along with the flow? And it's terrible sometimes the things that we're willing to do to go along with the flow, but it is human nature. What changes in this movie is that most of the scenes, not all of them, but most of the scenes, the thing that we're like, hey, let's go along with is so big and undeniably offensive that you'd think the camera would actually dissuade people from doing it. Right. Because they know they're going to be on camera. Like to go back to the cake example, that woman, because she signed a release, she has to have known that she was on camera no matter how big it was. And she didn't say like, you know what? I think maybe you should write that yourself. She did it and she didn't blink. She didn't raise any objection at all. Um, And the difference I think there is between like, ooh, I caught you in a weird moment, you're on candid camera, and hey, I'm living in a world where this is acceptable behavior. Do you want to walk the extremely long distance over to me and join me here in completely unacceptable? And you have to go on quite a hike to get there. It's not, ooh, will you tolerate a few racial slurs? It's here is something that any sensible person would say is incredibly offensive how do you feel about that? And then a lot of people said, I feel okay about that and jogged the block to go the distance. Sure. That I think is why if, even if I don't love it as a movie, I think that there is some value here and there. Um, and certainly it isn't attempting to always recreate 2006. It changed its approach slightly to suit Mm -hmm. the kinds of people who are deserving of whatever hell this movie rains down on them. Like that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, that's really the end of my point. I am sorry. I was just going to mention one specific part in Borat one that I think is stronger than the entirety of Borat two is at one point he, uh, so he talks to a, um, etiquette person, and then he goes to this dinner, and he does a number of truly horrifying things there. He, um, someone says retired, and he hears it as something else that I mentioned earlier. He uh, takes a shit and puts it in a bag. He uh, oh says two women are attractive, and then uh, points to another a woman is like uh, her not so much like he does these things and they tolerate all of them and he uh, even at one point uh, again he goes to the bathroom and they're like you know the cultural differences are vast but he seems like a very nice young man and uh, you know like and that's when he comes back with the shit but the thing the the kind of like surprise thing is then when Lunell is invited as the guest. And as soon as that happens, everyone acts like the dinner party's over. When a black woman enters this Southern home full of white people, they were fine with anything else until that racism. And and like, so I, I think what's weird is like that moment, you know, it does, you know, it has its cake and eats it. And I don't think this movie has an, enough of this. That This might sound very strange, but I don't actually think this movie's that mean, especially compared to the first one. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I think that there are, you know, I'm, you know, and to like, 
there are some wild things that people say that's not in the line of like, oh, I'm at a job. At the rodeo, um, you know, he uh, – Borat tries to do kissing on both cheeks and the person says that's like homosexuals. Um, and Bart makes a joke that, oh, we hang those in our country. And he's like, yeah, that's what we're trying to do here, too. Like, it's – there are – I just don't think the job argument uh, it totally works there. And if anything, I I feel like this is a lot lighter and I don't know. Maybe I'm just cruel and actually don't give a shit if people at a mask rally are being uh, are being mocked. But – that's also 2020 for me. I thought I was going to have empathy for a lot more people. Than you I know, the people at the mask rally can truly get they, fucked. Oh, they truly can. Yeah, I don't I don't give a shit. Um, yeah, I basically fuck the people at the mask rally. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I got into a lather instead of actually having a point at the end there. But, you know. <laughs> At least that's better than the point where, like, you usually get in an episode where you're like, I, uh, I, I don't remember what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. A lather, at least you still have like the passion of energy and emotion behind you. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We should probably end this. <laughs> we should. Um, yes. So uh, I do not recommend this movie at all. Other people on this uh, podcast seemingly sort of do. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you have seen the first one, I think it'll be a lot more interesting to you than going into it in a vacuum. That's my personal feeling. All right. Um, I, and then I we'll think... we'll check in with Allison in five years to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I recommend it, but mostly the thing that I recommend that people watch right now is murder. She wrote like you should watch whatever yeah. is going to make you <laughs> feel just a little bit safer and more sane. Uh, and if you loved Borat and you think, or like getting out, I guess some like very primal feelings about the state of the world. And you think immersing yourself in Borat would help that then go ahead. But if not, I think, its value, primary value outside of um, Maria Bakalova's performance is in uh, as sort of an artifact of this moment. And we'll see what value that has down the road. Yeah. <laughs> if have, we're still uh, here in five years, I would say Frasier for me personally. I've oh, done a good. rewatch of Frasier. That's a good one. And then uh, the Queen's Gambit is out on Netflix and it is probably one of the best things I've seen this year. So check that out too. It's wonderful. Oh you can my read my review at rogerebert.com. Uh, don't think I haven't already done that. <laughs> well, wait, Allison, what didn't they eat on the last episode of The Bachelorette? Like, I'm, I, I want to be mad about it. Uh, there was a charcuterie board. I'm livid. Anytime they don't eat a charcuterie board, it just makes me nuts. Um, the, the, nice thing about, that, the, much. the nice thing about cheese, though, is that cheese gets better with age maybe you know so, so i mean like not sitting on a table on a piece of butcher's block uh, you know i mean do you know how cheese is made it's yeah not you, you a, put it in a cave uh-huh i'm not even joking yeah. it's a yeah, cool no, no, no. damp dark yes. place yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Don't think I don't, don't know how to make cheese. God damn you, Bill. How dare you slander <laughs> me? Don't ruin so. cheese. Stop trying I to mean, ruin cheese. What do you think cheese <laughs> is? It's it's a fungus or it's what, what is it? It's just bacteria, right? Like, yeah, you know. Okay. Anyway. Um now that we've got that we've got to, to the point cheese. where Bill's asking, what do you think cheese is? It's a gift. The <sighs> only correct answer is a gift. Yeah, I'll give it that. Someone, I was at a party once and we were all drunk and someone was like, would you rather never have cheese again or never have sex again? Literally everyone said that they would give up sex for life to keep having cheese. <laughs> okay. It's a, that's, a, that's a good question. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's I've it for today. i got a lot today. of questions about that question, though, but <laughs> that's, that's for a different podcast. How, did, how did they get? Yeah, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those would you rather questions it's fine it's there's not a lot to read into it anyway i'm pretty sure it was a hanukkah party anyway uh here we are at the end of our Lord episode questions. um <laughs> scampering off into the night to try to regain our lives from the hellscape that is borat 2 um michael what are we talking about next week what, what um martin eden maybe probably uh, I'll cut this out if I need to, but are we never talking about Final Destination? Is that just not happening now? I think we have to get to Martin Eden before it's gone. Uh, Bilga said that he would like to do Final Destination. I'm just not sure when. I feel like Halloween is a really good time to do the Final yeah. Destination movies. But people also really like that the the Martin Eden, so... Well, thank oh, God we, we burned a weekend on Borat, too, instead of doing either of those things. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm glad we got to talk about Borat, too. Borat, too, or Borat also? Borat, too. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, so join us next week when we talk about something, still hashing it out. And, uh, yeah, uh, don't forget to swing by Mubi at MUBI.com slash Filmstage for your free 30-day trial. Don't forget to go to Patreon.com slash The Filmstage Show to give us your money. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we shout into their ears. We begin, as always, with our guest, Allison J. Baker. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Allison Shoe, uh, and my work publishes primarily at the AV Club and RogerEbert.com. So I guess look at those places, and you can get my book, How TV Can Make You Smarter, a short collection of essays, uh, I guess wherever fine books are sold, from a local bookstore. Get out what? there. Get to the bookstores. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. Um, and then I I will try and catch up on the Slack channel. Yes, I will. Promises, promises. Mm-hmm. Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell. I'm on Letterboxd. I have a, another podcast I host called Intermission. Um, hopefully around the time you listen to this, it will be available to Patreon, uh, people. It's about Antonio Campos's Christine with, uh, Chicago and Cody Corral. I am only going to invite Chicago Shocking people on all of news. the film stage podcasts now. <laughs> um, uh, what else? I'm Is also, that why you don't want Bilga on? Because he's New York? I, you know, I, 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 I plead the fifth. Um... <laughs> 
and uh, I write occasionally. Uh, in I didn't get ghosted this time, so I'm actually writing about May the Devil Take You 2, which is the sequel to May the Devil Take You from uh, Timo Jajanto. Uh, uh, the Indonesian director who uh, directed the really good The Night uh, Comes For You, which is on uh, Netflix, and I highly recommend. Um, what else? Oh, we are do- still doing Cinephile every uh, every Wednesday night. Um, Allison, I'm going to put you on the spot and say we'd love to have you on sometime. Um, and... Yeah, that's every Wednesday. DM me if you'd like to come on, especially if you're a Patreon supporter. Um, yeah, I think that's it. All right. Uh, good, because this song is already halfway through. I was not expecting <laughs> it to go this long. Uh, as for me, I can be found uh, tweeting about how awesome The Queen's Gambit is on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, literally, my last tweet before coming on to this podcast was about how goddamn sexy this one speed chess scene was. Oh, it's so sexy. Oh, my God. I was fanning myself. And then later on, when one of the characters got home, they, too, were fanning themselves. And I just felt amazing. So anyway, um, Queen's Gambit on Netflix. It's awesome. Uh, You can also find a a, a review that I wrote. I wrote an actual Honest to God with Words review for thefilmstage.com. It is the third chapter in the uh, the World of Tomorrow series, uh, The Absent Destinations of David Prime. Uh, a fantastic review, movie. Brian. What was that? It was a great review. Thank you. Uh, and you're welcome. <laughs> uh, yet another thing that we could have talked about this week instead of making me watch Borat. Okay, okay Brian, end this. <laughs> end my misery. Uh, what else? You can find every episode of this podcast at thefilmstage.com as well as more of my writing. And of course, brianjrowan.com. Brian J. Rowan on Instagram. Brian J. Rowan on Letterboxd. Brian J. Rowan on everything. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time.